There's so much that we can see as we think about this time of year, about the soon coming of the Lord, and so that's where we're going to spend our attention here over the next several Sundays leading up to Christmas. So Isaiah 64 is where we're going to begin this morning. Read here the first nine verses today. In Isaiah 64, beginning in verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The mountains might quake at your presence as when the fire kindles brushwood, the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for Him. You meet Him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you and your ways, behold, you are angry and we sin. In our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved? We've all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There's none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us. You have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord. Remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Amen. The word of the Lord this morning. Probably words that all of us have heard probably have uttered at one time in our life are these words, don't just stand there, do something. Don't just stand there, do something. These words are probably spoken countless times a day. Perhaps it's tragedy, misfortune, or some other difficult situation intrudes on our life. Maybe as simple as a child spilling a glass of water. A parent looks at them and says, don't just stand there, do something. Grab a towel, grab a mop, clean it up. Perhaps it's something far more complex such as planes being hijacked and driven, flown into buildings and the government buildings. The president who's being flown around the country, as President Bush was there on September 11th, is gathering with his top officials in his government and saying, we 
have to do something. Maybe that iconic image of him standing on the rubbish in New York City there in lower Manhattan and grabbing the bullhorn and telling the people cleaning up the mess there that the whole world will hear from us shortly. What's he saying? He's saying we are not just going to stand there. We are going to do something. Prophet Isaiah here finds himself saying those words. I mean, not exactly, obviously. But he is calling out to God, calling for God to move and to act. As I said, Isaiah oftentimes is called the fifth gospel. It is a book that tells us so much of the life of the Messiah who is to come from the birth of Christ in chapter 7 and 9 to the death of Christ in chapters 49 through 53. And here in these last few chapters, we see the new heavens and the new earth and the Messiah who is going to come and redeem Israel and set up His rule and reign over all the earth. And yet even in the midst of the promises contained in the latter part of this book where Messiah is going to come and rule and reign over the earth, even in the midst of the people of Israel being restored and brought back to their land, after years of exile, the prophet finds himself here wondering where God is. Wondering where the presence of God is. Wondering if God is indeed moving and working. Wondering if, if God is listening to His prayers and His pleas and His cries. Finds Himself praying, God, will You, will You not do something? Perhaps that's you this morning. You're here and you're wondering in your situation, the struggles and the trials that you're facing, you're wondering in the middle of the storm that you might be going through, in the middle of the dark night of the soul that you might be facing, you might be wondering, where are you, God? Where is God? Where is God in my life, in my situation? If that is you, I remind you today, that our God has indeed come down. God has torn the heavens open and He has come into your life and He is moving and working on your behalf. God has heard your prayer today. And so we look at these words this morning. We notice first of all Isaiah's plea Isaiah's prayer, if you would. Verses 1-4 through four tells us of Isaiah's plea and his prayer. And, and in order to understand his plea here, it's probably best to go back to the previous chapter. I've said it before, but if you don't know, the chapters were not included by the original authors of Scripture. They were included hundreds of years later. Unfortunately, at times they're placed in Spots where they really shouldn't be. And, and this chapter is really connected with chapter 63. And, and we go back in chapter 63 and we notice words from verses 11 through 15. 
Where Isaiah writes these words in verse 11, he says, He remembered the days of old, of Moses and his people. Where is he who has brought them up out of the sea with shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself everlasting name. Skip down to verse 15. You read these words. Look down from heaven to see. From your holy and beautiful habitation, where are your zeal and your might? Stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. What is Isaiah saying here? What is Isaiah going on? This, This is written when the time when the exiles are coming back to the land. Of Israel, God is telling the people that they are going to inhabit the land once again and and their Messiah is going to rule and reign over them. And as I said, certainly He is speaking of the end time. He is speaking of the times when Jesus comes and He rules and reigns from Jerusalem there in His kingdom. But even in that time, Isaiah is writing how he feels like God is far away from him, how God has somehow abandoned his people and he's calling on God to do the things that he once did during the times of Moses, during the times of the early ages of the people of Israel where God was moving and working in his mighty way. And Isaiah is asking this question, where are you, God? Where is your spear? Where are you when you brought your people out of the sea like a shepherd would bring his flock? Where are you? Why are you not moving? I don't feel the stirring of your inmost being. I don't feel your compassion in my life. I don't see evidence of you moving and working in my life. Isaiah prays this prayer and in the midst of it cries this prayer in Isaiah 64 verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh God, that you would move again, that you would tear open the heavens and that you would come down again, that the mountains would quake at your presence. When fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, God, will you not do that? Will you not make your name known to your adversaries? Wouldn't it be great to see, Isaiah says, praise the ass with this dramatic, glorious appearing of Yahweh of God. Oh, that you would tear the heavens open. Wouldn't it be so awesome to see? I mean, I mean, you see it in the Marvel movies. You see it in these superhero movies where the, where the hero comes in a dramatic fashion and he shows up and he changes the entire situation. Wouldn't it be great to just see something dramatic like that happen? As God moves and works and instantly, instantly makes everything better. Isaiah invokes these images of mountains quaking and fire, which are all reminiscent of how God has appeared in times past. 
We know that God appears to Moses in a burning bush as he is standing there. And God makes himself known through the bush that is on fire and yet not consumed. He's there on the mountain giving Moses the Ten Commandments with smoke and fire. He's leading the people of Israel with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. God has often revealed himself in these dramatic fashions. This dramatic way, Deuteronomy 5, verse 22, Moses writes these words. He says, These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. He wrote on them the two tablets of stone, and he gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribe and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and His greatness. We have heard His voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man. Man still lives. Isaiah is saying this, or Moses, I should say, is reminding the people of Israel. When God appeared to them on Mount Sinai. He appeared in this great glory, in this great fire, with much trembling and, and darkness. And Moses said, we have seen the greatness and glory of God. Isaiah wants God to reveal His glory, to speak to His people, to confront evil, to show His power, and to bring salvation. He wants the God of fire and shaking. Why not look at verses 3 and 4 here of Isaiah 64. You did awesome things. We did not look for you. For you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has ever heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you. Isaiah knows fully well that when God moves, when God works, when God raises up and acts, things happen. Mountains are moved and fall into the seas. The fountains of the deep are open. Miraculous things happen when God begins to move and work. No, oh, what a relief it would have been for a nation that has spent 70 years in exile, who has spent all this time without God in their lives, had seen their capital and their temple destroyed immediately. How awesome it would have been to see God come down and act. How awesome it would have been to see God rip the heavens open and visit move on behalf of His people. And though when we look at our world, our life, our situations, sometimes we feel like this is, this is what we want, don't we? God, why aren't You doing something? Why aren't You acting? Why aren't You moving? I mean, how many millions of babies must continue to be slaughtered through abortion? How many lives must continue to be destroyed through opioid addiction? How many lives must be killed through, through war and all of the things that are going on? How long must innocent people suffer in the way that they are? How many people should be defrauded through scams and everything else? God, why don't you do 
something. Maybe it's not as dramatic as a world event, but you feel like your life is coming undone, is falling apart. You feel like that if God would just move, you know that He can. I mean, we've talked about it already this morning. Mary and Jim have with all the testimony, the sharing time that we had last week. And so many got up and talked about how God was moving in their life. And maybe you sat there and thought, why isn't God doing that for me? Isaiah's plea is prayer, God. God, won't you come down? Won't you come down? Won't you rip open the heavens? Show your glory and your power. It's not just Isaiah's plea or prayer. Secondly, we see, we see Isaiah's predicament. We see Isaiah's predicament. Please that God would act, that God would do something drastic and open the heavens and comes down, but He knows there is a problem. There is a predicament, if you would. There is a situation. Verse 5, you meet Him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways, you know, we know that you move upon those who are righteous, who those who do what is right, you remember them. Then Isaiah says, Behold, you are angry. You are angry and we sinned in our sins. We have been a long time and, and shall we be saved? And he says, We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind are taking us away. There is no one who is calling upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you for you have hidden your face from us. You have made us melt in your iniquities. What is Isaiah's predicament? He knows that God is capable of moving and acting. God has moved several times on behalf of those who have been righteous and yet His predicament is this. The people of God, the people of Israel have been so wrapped up in their sins that there is no way God can possibly move. I mean, look at these words. We have been wrapped up in our sins for a long time. All of our righteous deeds have become like a polluted garment. Like filthy rags, if you would, you may have heard that these rags Isaiah are talking about are, are referring to the menstrual rags of a woman. And that is exactly right. That is exactly what Isaiah is talking about. We are nothing more than polluted garments. We are like the leaves that have fallen and now are being swept away, being taken away so quickly sit there in the office here at the church and hear the truck moving up and down Lehigh Street and Burrow is out there picking up the leaves and I think all that time that people spend raking their leaves and making this big pile on the side of the road and in about 15 seconds it's gone. Sucked up, mulched, gone. And we sat there and we drove and we saw the changing of the leaves and how pretty they are and now Nothing but bareness. This is what we are in the sight of an eternal 
holy God. Like this commentator wrote, he says, sin had so pervaded their lives that even the things that most people would usually regard as righteous deeds were in fact more like filthy menstruation rags. This is an honest appraisal of the filthiness of sin, which is relatively rare. Both the past and even today. Too often sin is deemed a slight mistake, a small or relatively minor infraction that is not really significant enough to confess. It's all too easy to overlook sin, to forget it, or excusing it, assuming that it will not have a major impact on anyone's relationship to God. Instead, the sinner should follow the example of the person confessing sins. In this passage, sin is a dark and destructive act that makes a person an enemy of God. The sinner is more repulsive than a vile and rancid menstrual cloth. Those are harsh words, but it is so true. We allow sin to come into our lives and we entertain sin when we allow it to take a foothold in our life. It is not just a mistake. It is not just, well, I'm not perfect and nobody's perfect. It is a reprehensible thing in the sight of God. If you're here thinking, I can entertain it. I can dwell with it. It's not that big a deal. I mean, there's people that are far worse off than me. I want to remind you this morning. David said, if we hold sin in our hearts, God will not hear us. God will not move. God will not work and act in our life. Isaiah speaks about the sin that pervaded the people of Israel. Then in verse 7, he mentions the fact that there is no one. There is no one who even bothers to call upon God. There's no one who even bothers to rouse themselves to take hold of God. And then he offers this blunt statement. It seems like, God, you've hidden your face from us. It seems like we can't even find you. God, why don't you do something? Why don't you move? Why don't you work? Why don't you act? Why, God, are you not doing something? I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and Mentioned they were when voted in the election earlier this month, and none of the candidates they voted for even won. I'm not saying that there is a clear choice between good and evil in every position. I don't even know who they voted for. I am saying this we've been there, haven't we? We thought there's a clear choice, and yet it seems like the one most involved in evil prevails we come to prayer meeting on Tuesday and sometimes we pray for the same things over and over and over again pray for healing and it seems like the situation gets worse 
pray for our nation. It seems like things just continually get worse. We pray for loved ones and it seems like they don't listen and respond to the voice of God speaking to their life. If we are not careful, the danger can become that it makes us think, what's the use? What's the use? Why bother? Why not just give ourselves over to sin, to evil, to the world? God certainly is not there. God certainly is not listening to us. Say, so it says, God, would you please open the heaven? Then he says here in this middle section, why? Why would you? You've hidden your face from us. You have made us melt. If we have Isaiah's plea, his prayer, his predicament, third point this morning is this. We have God's promise. God's promise. It's with God. Will you not rend the heavens? Will you not open the heavens and come down in a dramatic and miraculous way? Will you not work and move in our situation? acknowledges the problem that the sinfulness of His people have provided in limiting the hand of God for moving. But then He reminds Himself, He reminds God of His promise. Look at verse 8 again, But now, O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are your people. In the midst of his questioning, in the midst of his wondering where God is, Isaiah Isaiah reminds the Lord that He is their Father, that the children of Israel are His children. He reminds He reminds God of those words. No doubt in Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. Perhaps those words in Deuteronomy 7, you are a people holy to the Lord your God, for the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and has redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, a faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him keep His commandments to a thousand generations. What is Isaiah saying? He is saying, Lord, we realize even when You seem so far away from us that we are still Your children. We are still 
through your people. We are still the work of your hand and you are our Father. It is, of course, the great plot in Star Wars and the Star Wars movie genre. When the revelation comes out that Darth Vader is in fact Luke Skywalker's father. Oh, it's called one of the greatest twists in all of cinema. And yet we realize Darth Vader has abandoned the good and went to the dark side. We feel that way sometimes with God, but the truth is God has not forgotten about you. He has not abandoned you. For you see, God has torn the heavens open. He has, in fact, come down. Not in lightning and thunder. Not in a dramatic way, but He came down in the form of a child. A baby. The Word who was with God in the beginning and was God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He saw the sinfulness in our lives, our hearts, and He determined to do something about it. He came down and He took our sins, our shame, our guilt upon His shoulders, and He died for our sins. He took what we deserved. He has come down. The fact that God has come down means so much for our lives. This means He is with us in our fiery furnace just as He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is with us in our lion's den just as He was with Daniel. He was with us when we were facing the Red Sea in front and Pharaoh and his army coming in hot behind us just as He was with Moses. He is with us just as He was. We are sitting in that prison Paul is saying, everyone has abandoned me, but God is with me. He is with us just as he is with John, the revelator, when he sat there on the Isle of Patmos and said, I was abandoned and all alone. And tradition tells us that he was burned with hot oil there. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And God took me up and he revealed himself to me. I don't know where you are this morning, but I want you to know God is with you. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. God has not deserted you. He remembers His promise to you. Tim Keller, the pastor, recently passed away. Pastor for a long time there in New York City wrote his book, Walking with God in Pain and Suffering. He said this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were good men, but they were still flawed human beings. David said that if anyone were to keep a record of our sins, of hand and heart, no one could stand before God. Psalm 130, verse 3. These three did not then deserve the Lord's deliverance because of the perfect purity of their lives. God could walk through the fire with them 
Because he came to earth in Jesus Christ. He went through the fire of punishment. They and all of us deserve. The fact of the matter is God has come down. And he has walked that road that you're on right now. He has taken your sins and your sorrow and has nailed them to the tree. And even in the darkest nights of your life, you can rest assured that God is with you. Yes, it is true. God is going to come down one day. He is going to rip the heavens open Skies will be rolled up as a scroll. Trump shall resound, the Lord shall descend, and every eye will see him. But we don't need to wait for that day because we know that right now God is with us. He is there. He is walking this road with you. His Spirit is with you. And you are His child. And He is your loving Heavenly Father. And so we remember these truths today. Yes, it is true that God can come down and immediately make everything great. I mean, we could walk out of church this morning and turn on our phones and Realize that there's world peace and a cure for cancer and all this other good stuff that we pray about. God can do it. Yes, He can. You see, really, the biggest problem is not cancer or war or fighting. It's not what's going on in Washington or Tel Aviv or Beijing or whatever. The biggest problem is right here inside of our heart. All of us are like polluted garments. All of us are sinful. We are like one who is unclean. There is one who does not seek after God. Guess what? God has come down and dealt with that problem. On the cross hung my shame and the guilt and the pain. Jesus bore my suffering. He became sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God has come down. Because God has dealt with that problem, guess what? God will be with you. He's with you in the middle of your pain and heartache. He is with you in the middle of your suffering and grief. He is with you. And you feel like you are all alone. And no one cares. And no one is caring for your soul. This time of year reminds us especially God has come down. God is there. He is not silent. Praise the Lord. God really loves us. Now, I don't know what you're facing today. But I hope you will walk away this morning 
reminded of this truth. Our God has come down. And He is with you. And He has not removed His love, His mercy from you. He is watching over you today. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we are so glad that you love us. We are so glad that you're moving and working in our life. Lord, we are so glad when we feel abandoned and hopeless and alone. God, you are there. You have not forgotten us. You have not abandoned us. You have not left us. God, in our trials and our heartaches, you are moving and working. Lord, we often feel like Isaiah does when he just cries out, God, won't you, won't you just rip the heavens open and do something? Won't you move and work? And yet we have to step back and say we are we are your children. You are our Father. You have not abandoned us. You have not deserted us. You have not left us alone. Someone here today needs to be reminded of your love, O oh Lord, of your grace and your goodness, even in the midst of the difficulties of their present situation. Lord, I pray in these next few moments that you, you would remind them you are there. You have not deserted or abandoned them. You are with them. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to listen to the words of this song. We've sung it.